Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to Lockbox, a podcast providing real estate professionals with action items for success. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm going to be your host. I'm the founder of two real estate marketing and tech companies, Steezy.Digital and RealNurture.io. In this podcast, you'll learn from top 1% real estate and mortgage brokers the exact secrets to their success. Welcome to Lockbox. Welcome to Lockbox. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm here today with Victor Urashek. Victor, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So kick it off. Tell our listeners who you are, where you're from. Sure. So my name is Victor. I am here in Gainesville, Florida. I'm mostly a fix and flipper. So uh, you know, did about 20 flips last year, 30 flips this year is the goal. I went full time about like three years ago. And uh, yeah, just really love real estate and you know, every aspect of it. Just love the I've tried a lot of stuff too. I've tried like wholesaling, I've tried like Airbnb, I've tried like all these different things. I just like the fix and flip the most. You know, just the process of transforming a house is is really interesting and fun. So uh, I've just kept on doing it. That's awesome. And what got you into fix and flipping and, and real estate in general? Uh, I was kind of working like a corporate career, so to speak. I was an administrator for a home health agency. Uh, there were a couple things um, like I didn't really enjoy the work too much uh, was the first thing. And then two, I was kind of limited on income and always had it in the back of my mind. Like, hey, I want to get into real estate. Like I, it was always like, hey, let me do this first thing and then real estate, like this thing and then real estate. And I eventually realized I don't need to do X before Y. I can just do Y, which is real estate. So, you know, why not? And just uh, made it happen. And went to try out the wholesaling and went into flipping. And that, that's pretty much the journey. Awesome. And you mentioned you're doing, you're on pace to do 30 flips this year, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So that's like two to three a month. And, yes. you know, what advice would you give to someone who is just getting into fix and flipping and they, they want to go do their first deal? Mm-hmm. So that's it. the biggest thing. Um, think of it in steps. Uh, so just because I'm doing so much, like it took me time to get here. Like it's a, it's a momentum thing. Don't think like you'll do 30 your first year, nor should you. Um, it is going to take some time. So realize like for me, my first year, I did two and then eight and then 20. And then here we are at 30. So it was, it was a process and it takes time. So for beginners, just really focus on like, you know, getting your first deal done, you know, do your first one A to Z and then go from there. The other piece of advice there is like, I know a lot of people are eager and they really want to jump into this. I still say like, do your first deal and finish it and then move on to your second one. Then you can do you know two at a time. Uh, I made this mistake when I was getting started, like I kind of tripled up. So uh, I you know bought one and then bought another, bought another. And I basically made the same mistake on each one. It was a $5,000 mistake. Uh, so it's not a $5,000 mistake. It was a $15,000 mistake. So you're going to learn so much going through that process. So it's, it's really key to 
you know, just, just make the most out of it and like learn as much as you can, like squeeze as much as you can, uh, knowledge in terms of that first deal. And then you can move on to your next one. That's good advice. Don't let your mistakes multiply early by yes. adding the complexity. Exactly. So what's the single most important action you're taking on a daily basis that's attributing most to your success? I'd say offers. You know, I, I say like daily deal challenge, like make an offer a day. That's what I've seen is like the number one indicator of success is like the number of offers. Like I, I hear a lot of beginners and they're like, oh, I, you know, I made three offers in total and I didn't get a deal. Like maybe real estate isn't for me. It's like, no, wait a second. You gotta, you gotta, you know, add a zero to that number for you to get a deal. For me, on average, like one out of 15 offers becomes a deal. So if you're making one a day, you know, if you do an offer a day for a whole year, like you're gonna get a deal. I'll I'll, uh, I'll guarantee that 100 percent Okay. And with that being said, you know, what is your percentage of referral business to new business? Mm -hmm. It seems like I'd you have a lot, of, lot of houses new. to make offers on. <laughs> yeah, it's mostly new. Um, I've gotten referrals like here or there, but um, okay. I'd so say 90% new. new. Yeah, 90% yeah, new, 10% okay. uh, referral. Uh, just because I guess, I guess I could ask for referrals. I just typically don't. I think the, like what I do in terms of fix and flip or like it's... Um, how do I explain it? Like it's it's kind of like a unique situation. So if someone's like going through a divorce and the house needs a lot of work, like how many other friends do they know that ha are in that situation, like going through a divorce or like have a house they need to sell and need to sell it quick for cash? I guess you could do referrals. I, I typically it's mostly new business. Okay. Yeah. And that leads me to my next question. So how are you sourcing deals? I mean, um, if you share your secret sauce, unless someone is literally in Gainesville, Florida and equally as committed to executing what you're about to say <laughs> as you are, Yeah. even then they still wouldn't be, you know, five years into the journey like you, but how are you sourcing deals? Like, how are you mm -hmm. generating this new business? Um, what's your process? Yeah, happy to share. So I get about half my deals from wholesalers and then half I source on my own. So wholesalers, how, how I do that is also a little bit differently where I, uh, like I build a relationship with them. It's not like, Hey, I get their email text blast and then I you know, hit them up. It's more like they know me, like I'm at the top of their list. I'm, you know, at least the first position, if not like, you know, first three positions, like people they call when they get a deal. I, you know, try to keep in touch with them pretty consistently, at least weekly, even if it's just a text or just a check-in or something like that, just to like maintain that relationship. Because a lot of um, being on the other side of it, you know, a lot of cash buyers are very transactional where it's like, okay, well, you got a deal or, or not. And if, if they don't have a deal, you don't want to talk. So you want to you know, go beyond that relationship, like have a friend, friendly relationship. So that's the half of it's through wholesalers. And again, half of it is, is on my own. Uh, what's been working like cold calling, still working. SEO, uh, like I have a website and a lot of reviews and like people go to the website. So that's been working really well. I've gotten one MLS deal this year, but it's, you know, it, we kind of got lucky on that one, honestly. Yeah. Uh, so MLS and just like the basics, you know, uh, for sale by owner and Craigslist and all that stuff. But um, sure, that's what's sure. been working. Mm -hmm. Okay. So just to review your, your cold calling, probably getting some data from, from different services like property radar, or, you know, figuring out how to get a, a set of data. That's not the hard part. The hard part is then reaching out, contacting them, calling them. So you're doing some cold calling. Sounds like, you have some kind of site set up maybe through something like carrot and they're helping you mm -hmm. with like seo and stuff like that that's with pretty that, much it yeah and and then from that you mentioned you aren't generating a lot of referrals but through your lead generation tactics you're you're then able to do about an offer a day mm -hmm. and that's your goal and then every 15 or so you're getting a deal 
That's exactly, yeah, that's exactly it. Now that's, I just have a carrot website. I think I have the $97 version and it just yeah. it does me fine. It just, uh, yeah. it works and getting leads pretty consistently like once, once every two weeks, I think I get a lead or from assuming like once a week. So it's not crazy, mm-hmm. but it's, it's enough. I think the other thing to mention is like the market choice is super important. So I'm in Gainesville. It's a smaller market. It's like, like a secondary market is what folks call it. It's 130,000 population. So I've seen that as well. It's like, I was, when I started out in 2018, like getting started on my journey, I was cold calling in Miami and Miami is obviously very hot market, very competitive. I'd be cold calling. It's like 8 a.m. I talked to the seller and like, Hey, do you want to sell your property? I'm like, no, you're, you're the fifth person who's called me today. And it's 8 a.m. You know, so they're getting so many phone calls. And then I switched to Gainesville. So from Miami to Gainesville, it was, it was night and day difference. People were like, I, you know, I want to sell my property to you. Like I, I really get a phone call about this place. Maybe like a guy called me like six months ago. So that market choice is really important. And I've seen the sweet spot um, is like 50,000 population to 500,000 population. So if I were in, you know, just to be honest, if I were in Miami doing this, I wouldn't be nearly as successful. Yeah. Hey, that's a fantastic tip. I really appreciate you sharing that. Mm-hmm. And it's true when you're in those larger markets, the homeowners are getting bombarded all the time. Text blast, yeah. call blast. I mean, it's it's wild the amount of traffic that is coming in. So mm-hmm. they just become immune to it. They start saying, "Oh yeah, give me two million for it," and it's a five hundred thousand dollar house. And mm-hmm. you know, basically, they're just they're jaded. They're not interested. So yes. very good on the market choice. What I was going to ask is, so once it comes down to the numbers, I think a lot of the nerves around flipping is like. <laughs> am I going to lose my butt on this thing? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, it's my first deal. Imagine, right? Like I'm looking at this house. I'm maybe comfortable offering, you know, 80% of the value or maybe even less 70% of of the perceived value, whatever. Like, how are you valuing it? And then coming in at that offer, like what's the percentage of perceived value or market value at that time? And then where you're coming in, Mm -hmm. Uh, every deal is different. Yes. Depends on all the maintenance that is being deferred, like all the stuff. But mm-hmm. just um, as an idea, because I think that's the biggest question is like, okay, I'm confident enough to make calls. I'm confident enough to have conversations with the homeowners. I've actually gotten to the point where like they're waiting on an offer from me, but now I'm like gun shy and making the offer, right? <laughs> yeah, no, spot on. So I, I typically like to stick with like 70% rule. Uh, so 70% of ARV minus repairs. Um, is like the right. max I can pay for a place. ARV is like after repaired value. Like what's the retail right. price? Like what can I sell this thing for? Um, with the market being where it's at, I've been a little more flexible with it. So sometimes I'll even go up to like 75%. I like to stick as close to possible, you know, to being that 70. That's one way to think about it. The other way to think about it is like you run all your numbers. I typically want to make 30K net profit on a deal. So at the end of the day, after all those numbers, you know, I want I want that 30K. Um, so that's, awesome. that's another way to look at it too. So awesome. that's, that's how I run it. And yeah, and then if it's an easier deal, so to speak, so if it's not like not a lot of work, then I'll, I'll do the, you know, I'll do like 20K minimum. Like if I'll, all I have to do is clean it and throw on the market, I'll, I'll do that deal too. Uh, but that's, that's how I think about the numbers. And that's, that's the key is to really be, especially for beginners, like you want to be numbers oriented. You want to be logical, like disassociate yourself with it, with the property. Cause a lot of, especially beginners, like they fall in love with the place. Like, oh, this, this can be such a nice house and it's going to be such a great flip. And then like, they don't get the deal and like they're, they're really let down or like the numbers don't work and they kind of force the numbers to work. Um, so it's just those types of things where I, I recommend, like, just look at the numbers and those are the three most important numbers. Like, what are you buying it for? What do you need to put into it for repairs? What can you sell it for? Uh, if you nail those three numbers, then you're, then you're good to go. Awesome. Yeah. Really good advice. 
And when it comes down to paperwork, contracts, things like that, mm-hmm. you know, do you have some of that in your, I, I think you have a coaching course or some kind of online course? Uh, I do. So I have a, a free Facebook group if folks want to join it, uh, Six Figure House Flipper. I have a repair estimate guy. I can share contracts too. That's fine. Uh, the contract I use, super simple. It's like two pages. Like for Florida, they have what's called the realtor like far bar and that's 12 pages. So especially when you're dealing with like a motivated sale, like you just want to keep it simple. Like, you know, how much am I paying for the place? Like, what, what do we got to do? It's, it's two pages. You don't want to throw all this 12 page document and like, oh, let mm-hmm. me, let me think about it. Let me read over it. So that, that's the other piece of advice. Like keep your, you know, offer and purchase agreement super simple. Um, like the most important, like when are we closing? Who's paying what closing costs? You know, what's the offer? I mean, just those basic things. Yeah. No, that's great. And I know that that's another hang up. It's like, you know, you can get to that point, you know what the seller wants for it. You actually might have an investor lined up. You're like, okay, now what? Right. So there's all these little steps along the way. And that comes from doing the first deal, just pulling the trigger, making it happen. Um, That's how you learn those things. But I appreciate you, you know, diving into each of those. Mm -hmm. So being a flipper, where do you think the industry is heading? We've been on this crazy run. We've then had a 10 year increase in housing prices actually accelerated by COVID, which then pumped them up more, which is crazy. And so now like, what do you foresee within the next two to five years um, as far as, you know, no one has a crystal ball, but macroeconomic like housing market projections, you think Mm -hmm. is going to be this massive flood of foreclosures and flippers are going to be just cashing in or like, what's the, what's the projection? Uh, I think it's still going to be a hot market for like another year or two. Like, I think it's, this is going to continue for a little bit. Meaning housing prices increasing Yes. Shortage of supply. Yeah. That's what you mean by that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So what's what's going on? Uh, basically, like there's two things to look at when it, when it comes to houses and housing and all that stuff. It's, it's pretty simple. It's supply and demand. So you look at two, two sides of the equation, supply and demand. So let's talk about supply. Inventory is still really low. I thought it, you know, it would uh, recover a lot more, but it just really hasn't. So for Florida, there was just for floor, like active listings pre-corona, there's 137,000, 137,000 active listings in Florida, like houses for sale in Florida. Do you want to guess what, like, what that number is now? Any sort of like ballpark? It's like 40 or like 30. Close. Yeah, it's 57,000. It's like 57,000. Okay. So it's gone down like two thirds or over a half. It's gone down a lot. So that's the supply yeah. side of it. And like, there's not a lot of houses for sale. And because of that, like there's bidding wars and people are fighting over houses. So that's one aspect of it. That's the supply side. I actually took over. So I did what's called like a subject to deal. Basically, I take over the existing mortgage and they were in default. Like they were going through the foreclosure process. And lenders nowadays are so lenient with the foreclosure process. So they owed like 10 grand in back, back uh, mortgage payments. And they gave me three options. The mortgage company, like, you know, you can pay in full. I was like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do that. Uh, you can pay it in payment plans. So you can like pay 3,000 and 3,000, whatever, pay it off. And then the third option, this is why they, I think you're super lenient, is they say like, hey, you can take this old payments and put it on like a second mortgage. So you have your main mortgage. And then when you refinance or sell the property, you can pay off this you know, 10 grand. So they're super lenient nowadays with regards to like foreclosure and that sort of thing. They don't want another 0809. So so lenient. I don't think there's going to be this huge foreclosure you know, bust takedown. I mean, there's going to be a little bit of that, but nothing like people are uh, thinking. So that's the supply side. I think it's going to be low inventory for a while. Demand side, you know, interest rates are really low. It's really cheap to buy a house. So that's affecting prices. Uh, a lot of people want to buy a house. 
And I think the other thing with like the Fed and like government intervention and like printing money and QE, um, it, they did announce a taper. So they're going to start to taper it down, but that's going to go into next year and we'll probably see a rate cut or rate increase, excuse me, next year. So we got like, you know, we got a long time where it's still going to be hot like this. And that's good and bad. Uh, basically with flips, we're just buying low, we're selling high. That's literally all we're doing. So if we can just buy low and sell high and you can do that in, you know, in any market basically. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I love that. And as far as the supply and demand goes, it really does come down to inventory and, you know, with the demand and the interest rates, you know, buying power is so high right now. So I just, yeah. <clears throat> I find it interesting that it seems like the sentiment of a lot of sellers and for sale by owners is like, all I have to do is put a for sale sign out. I'm going to get a hundred K over asking. Mm-hmm. Right. But here you are in Gainesville, Florida, source and deals. Like yes. find finding mm-hmm. sellers that are willing to sell 70 cents on the dollar because of some circumstance. So mm-hmm. the possibilities are definitely still available and out there. And mm-hmm. that's, that's encouraging. Yeah, for sure. And what's, uh, what's interesting about flipping. So we're on both sides of the transaction. So we're buying the house and we're also selling the house, right? Cause it's a flip. Um, so my, my theory is it's always the same amount of difficulty. So either it's really hard to buy and easy to sell or vice versa, easy to buy, hard to sell, some sort of variation of those two things. Right now, hard to buy, easy to sell. So if you you know price it right and you throw it out on the market, you know you can get get that over asking, just like you were saying. So it's it's all these factors you know kind of put together there. That's what I've seen. So we're on both sides. So just you know just you got to play with those variables. Yeah, and honestly, as a flipper, if you know how to source deals, which you do, mm-hmm. then. A seller's market is a great position to be in because yeah. you're going to source the deals either way. And then when you do flip it, you're confident that you're going to get the price that you were looking for in the, the after repair value. Yes. So with that being said, when you're making offers, you know, 70 cents on the dollar, do you think that insulates you enough from a, a potential shift in the market when, you know, the appreciation that you were maybe banking on over that three month or six month flip period isn't there? Do you think that the 70% offers you enough cushion in order to be able to weather a storm where like if you were under contract on five properties and all of a sudden housing value drops 10%, like mm-hmm. what does that look like, right? Um, yeah, so there is enough buffer in there, uh, right? So if you're buying 70 cents on the dollar and a dollar becomes 90 cents, like you still have buffer in there, even with closing mm-hmm. costs. Uh, so that's fine. We can always turn a lot of our stuff into rentals as well. That actually happened on a property here as an example. So we bought it. We bought it for eighty-seven. We put in about I don't know ten to fifteen. We listed it. We got a con- you know got under contract. That's great. Had it under contract for like I think one forty. So like, hey, this is a good flip. You know, decent flip. It didn't appraise. We had it listed for one forty. It appraised for one oh nine, one zero nine. So that's a huge gap. And uh, the buyers are saying like, oh, you should still sell it to us. And like, no, we're going to lose money if, if we do that. Uh, so we didn't sell it. So we turned it into a rental for for a number of reasons. And it was actually cash for like 300, 400 bucks a month. And it's like, oh, you know, our worst case isn't that bad. You know, our worst case is we still get, you know, still get a deal, still get a, you know, cash flowing rental. So I can, we can do that with a lot of our properties. Uh, some of the higher end stuff, maybe we do like an Airbnb or kind of something a little bit higher end, uh, just because like rental numbers don't make as much sense for those bigger deals. Yeah. Um, but that's pretty much it. So if there's a market crash, assuming rental rates are pretty, pretty steady, we even have some you know, buffer there, right? If we can cash flow 300, 400 bucks a month. I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. So, you know, worst case, just turn into rentals and that's not, not terrible of a case. No, that's a, a great plan B. And mm-hmm. I'm curious if you're doing anything at auction, you haven't mentioned it, but are you picking up any properties at auction? 
I've never done an auction deal. I don't, I wouldn't even know where to go. I don't even know what to say yeah. at an auction. I, I uh, yeah. I ask because mm-hmm. I've been doing some research in auctions. I actually sat in mm-hmm. on one in uh, Orange County here in California about a month ago. Mm-hmm. And I was here thinking, oh, property is going to be going for 60 cents on the dollar. And the, the ones that I saw, they were selling for 85 cents on the dollar. And I was like, that's oh, that's that's pretty slim. You got to really know mm-hmm. what you're doing there to to get a property sight unseen, 85 cents on the dollar. So. Uh, I was curious if you had an experience with that. Uh, I haven't. No, I haven't. I don't plan to either. Cause so there's like, let's say there's three like ways you can get deals. So there's the MLS, which is on market. And that's where like, that's where everyone goes. Like everyone's like, Hey, I'll grab a realtor. I'll, I'll buy a property. And then, you know, that sort of thing. That's pretty expensive, super competitive, super expensive. You got to be quick or else the deal's gone. If it's a good deal, it's gone in a day or less. Yeah. Uh, so that's MLS sure. on market. I've only done one on market deal for, for any, uh, for reference, only one on-market deal this year. So, okay, so that's not a good good route to go. And if this auction auction thing's still pretty competitive, less than MLS, but still pretty competitive. That's number two. And then number three is like off-market stuff, which is where I get the most of my stuff. So I, you know, the off-market's working and I think it, you know, works better than auction, honestly. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. And that brings up an interesting question. So mm-hmm. are you buying all these cash? Are you working with private investors? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, did you go to your local real estate investment group and find some capital partners in the beginning, or are you actually getting mortgages on these as like investment properties or, you know, primary residences or however you're working it? Like, mm-hmm. how are you working it out once you get the deal and then you're like willing to pay 70 cents on the dollar? They're cool with that. Are you having an appraiser show up and getting a loan? Like what, what's the next step? Yeah, sure. So it's kind of a mix. So sometimes it's cash, sometimes it's like private lender, sometimes it's hard money. So it just, it just depends, honestly. Um, it's just, you know, it's just a mix. So there's no like one clear answer. It depends on the property. Like for mobile homes, for example, we do, you know, fix and flip mobile homes. You can't do hard money just because no one really lends on it, at least not anymore because uh, of Corona. Because for some reason, I don't know why, but they stopped to stop lending on it. Uh, you can get traditional finance, like conventional USDA, you know, FHA, VA, but you can't do, you know, you can't do other stuff. So yeah, we've just been, we've just been doing that. So it just depends on the deal. It depends on a lot of factors. My first deal was a money partner. Basically what that was, what that is, like I didn't have a lot of money three years ago, as you can imagine, me being younger and all that. Um, so basically like I found the deal, I'd help run, run the renovations. I'd help sell the place. I was kind of the boots on the ground, sweat equity type person. And then I found someone to put in the money to, to buy it, to fix it up and sell it. And then we split the profit. And that worked out. And that, that was a great way to get started. I'm starting to do more of my own deals nowadays. It's still not 100% just me, but I am, you know, I am still, you know, bringing on partners. And I think that's a great way. That's how I could, like, how else would I be able to do, you know, 30 in a year? Like, there's no way uh, unless I had some sort of outside capital. It's not like I inherited a million dollars or anything like that. I'm just playing with that. Like, you know, you have to have, get money from somewhere. Yep. Absolutely. And that makes sense. So, how do you leverage, you know, digital marketing or your real estate agent partners to get exposure and, and sell the listings for top dollar? Like mm-hmm. Once it once it's it's <clears throat> done, what are you doing then? How are you how are you actually selling it? Are you paying that real estate commission? Are you then doing a for sale by owner as a flipper? Mm-hmm. Like, well, what does the listing process look like? Yeah, so we don't do for sale by owner. We also don't do real estate. We kind of do some like it's kind of like a hybrid. It's called flat fee listing. Okay. Uh, so like for, for Florida, it's called flatfee.com and it's like a hundred bucks, 200 bucks. And they list it for you, but that's all they do. They just put on MLS, which then goes to Zillow to realtor.com. So blasts it out there as for sale. 
And then um, that's pretty much it. So that just blasts out there like, okay, cool. Now we're good. And then we handle the documents. We handle negotiation. We handle showings. But we save 3%. And I've calculated, I need to run this number again, but I've saved 119000 using that service, $119,000. I think that number's higher now because we've sold a lot since I did the math on it. And it saves a lot, you know, and once you get more experiences as I am, like the process of selling it is less and less uh, tough or less and less like taxing, so to speak. So you know Mm -hmm. what documents you need to write, you know what you need to say, you know how to negotiate. So nothing against realtors, but their service just becomes less valuable just because you know what you're doing. So that's what I recommend. You you are also, at that point, you are also in the business of real estate. You are doing deals multiple times per month. Yeah. So you're, the real estate professional isn't helping someone who does this once every five or 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, so you have your finger different. on the pulse and, and that makes sense. I think that makes honestly the most sense for a property investor like yourself, the, those mm-hmm. uh, flat fee websites. I, yes. you know, in the past, mm-hmm. I haven't seen a ton of value in them from a consumer standpoint because you still don't know what you're doing as far as negotiations, pricing, yeah. And, you know, you don't have your, your finger on the pulse with the market, what's selling for what, how to create bidding wars, like how to present things properly, what's above board and legal and what's like not accepted as far as just different negotiation tactics or, you know, love letters from buyers and all that stuff, yeah. like <laughs> all the things. So there's so many aspects to it that for a flipper that's doing it every day, it makes sense to do the, the flat rate. Yes. Um, yeah. That's cool. So when it comes to you know, client retention is, I know that a lot of your clients so far, at least, right, they're in some kind of situation where they then have to sell their house, might be divorce, foreclosure, probate, Mm -hmm. whatever. I know it's kind of a sensitive situation, but I I also know real estate investors that, you know, their their clients, it helped them out of a, a situation. And so there is still that kind of major appreciation uh, and between the real estate flipper like yourself and the homeowner. And I just think there's an opportunity there for client retention and relationships and referrals. You know, do you, do you do very much to like lean into that and and try and get that repeat business? I know you mentioned it's not a big part of your business, but do do you have systems in place for it? I I really don't. Um, I've had like repeat people, like maybe someone has like five properties and they want to sell two to me. Because uh, they don't okay. want to deal, so I've had those types of uh, transactions, but I haven't really done like referrals or anything like that. I typically, if they have a good experience, like I ask for a review just because it helps me out, like helps me rank with SEO and all that stuff. But I typically don't do a lot of repeat business or like referral stuff. Or yeah, I don't know a lot of people that do honestly. Like I've, I'm pretty well networked with other flippers and wholesalers, and like referrals isn't a big part of the business, you know, like yeah. it's, it's kind of transactional. You it's know? it's, it's like, more hey. so it's transactional. And then you get that review if you can. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I've had like leads. It's, it's just a small part of it. I had like people refer someone and that becomes a lead, but then they're asking for too much. So, you know, I just haven't done that. Yeah. You know? Interesting. Yeah. I know that real estate professionals value referrals so much and they're like a, a higher quality lead in their eyes mm-hmm. because they already have that trust. But for you, it seems like the referral almost, they have misinterpretation or expect too much. And so you'd actually prefer that like online SEO or like cold call lead. Is that, mm-hmm. is that right? That's pretty much it. Yeah. It's a, it's kind of a unique situation when someone wants to sell a house, you know, so it's less, less the referrals, especially it's not only like sell their house, it's like sell it at a price that makes sense for you. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I just haven't pursued. I haven't heard a lot of people do it either. I get it for like real estate agents. Like I get it. You know, get a lot of referrals. And every time you have a listing, like every time I have a listing, I do flat fee. I have people calling like, oh, I don't have a real estate agent. I want to see the place. I still refer them to agents. So you guys probably run into that too. Like every time you list, like you get other leads. And every time you do something, you get leads. Mm -hmm. That's right. So what are one to three books that have greatly influenced your flipping career? So the basics of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I think is a great like overview. I think a lot of like the the granular tactics, maybe a little bit outdated, but the whole high level overview is great. So I'd recommend that. Like just long distance real estate investing by David Green is a really good one. It kind of talks about kind of demystifies like, oh, I want to do virtual deals. Like, how do I do that? And it demystifies it. Any other deals? I think the uh, Never Split the Difference, Chris Voss, I'm sure everyone recommends that one as well. It's great for negotiation. Um, and that's three. There's there's more books, but I think those are those are a great start. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I'm curious if you have a uh, best or most worthwhile investment that you've made. Is there like a particular deal, particular flip, or mm-hmm. you know, investment in yourself, or like you know, what comes to mind when I ask you that question? Well, the first thing that popped in my mind, I can talk about like deals and like you know, whatever we did there. But kind of what popped into my mind is like anytime I've seen a shift in my income, like a increase, it's always been mindset first. Uh, mm-hmm. So somehow like you know, doing an investment in mindset, and that can be, I'm a huge proponent of like affirmations, visualizations, all these types of things. So when I started doing these things, that's when I started to see better results. Uh, so it's been interesting to see that process for sure. So that's been, that's been successful for me. That's been really successful for me. These like this mindset stuff and like meditation has helped. And like, if you can get your mind right, like the rest is going to fall into place. Interesting. Okay. So you mentioned meditation a few things. So mm-hmm. in the last five years, it seems like you've been doing the flip for about five years, right? So what's the new belief behavior or habit that has most improved your life? You mentioned a couple of things there, like affirmations, mm-hmm. meditation. Is there one in particular or something else that has really improved your life? Um, no, it's just all those things kind of put together and it's okay. not just doing it once. It's like doing it every day. So, you know, I kind of my quick morning routine, I, you know, get up gym typically, then go home and do this mindset stuff. And then I start my day. Uh, I've seen, like, if I try to do that stuff in the afternoon, like it, it doesn't happen or like it doesn't, uh, yeah, it just doesn't happen. Uh, so I do it first thing in the morning because then it's, it's done and it's over and you can move on. But yep. it's just really, you know, all these things kind of put together. It's not just like, Hey, one thing that that made it happen it's like all these things put together over time is just help me out awesome well i appreciate you sharing all the insights today and you know i'm curious if there's a question that i should have asked you or something that you'd like to elaborate on from earlier no i think you did a good job i think you covered it all i don't think there's anything anything else to to really cover yeah i don't think there's anything else to cover i think we got into a lot of details and kind of shared some of the the nitty-gritty and the good stuff cool Sounds good. So how can listeners contact you? Uh, yeah, so I'm active on Facebook. So if you look at my name, Victor Gercek, uh, you'll find me. I also have that free Facebook group as mentioned, uh, Six Figure House Flipper. I have a lot of great like resources and stuff in there. So if folks want to check that out, I like a repair estimate guide. I do deep dives on my deals. Like, hey, this is my deal. Like, this is how much I spent on repairs. This, you know, like, I just, I share everything there. So uh, if folks want to check it out, that's Six Figure House Flipper on Facebook. Awesome. And I'll link to that below. Victor, you're a check, everyone. Mm-hmm. Awesome house flipper in Gainesville, Florida, also sharing his knowledge on Facebook. So go check that out with Six Figure House Flipper. I will link to that below. I really appreciate having you on and how 
patient you were diving into the, to the nitty gritty. I think those details will really help any, you know, first time flippers or any that are a few deals in and want to grow, it'll help them get over some hurdles. So really appreciate having you on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening. If you want to accomplish your real estate goals, then I highly suggest downloading my free ultimate real estate goal setting framework. The link is in the description of the show and it will help you break down your annual income goal into the amount of phone calls, appointments, or open houses you need in order to achieve that goal. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.